welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Guys, I know you probably have no interest in hearing about a parking ticket, but I have to tell you this story because I am damn proud of myself, all right? And this was like an ongoing saga in my life since April. So I get this parking ticket when I'm out with my sister, and my sister was driving, and it was a $42 parking ticket. And you know, I thankfully can pay a $42 parking ticket. But I just felt like this was so egregious and I did not deserve this ticket. There was no signage. The ordinance that was cited like did not even apply and was ambiguous. And I looked at five cars in front of me who were ticketed for the same reason. And I'm like, if this many people are confused, like clearly, you know, there's something wrong with the law here. Like the math isn't mathing. And so I appealed this And I thought, you know, they were just going to dismiss it based on my explanation and like citing the ordinance. No. So then I go to this pre-hearing conference and everyone in front of me, their case gets dismissed. Mine, they're like, you're going to have to go to trial. So then I had to go to trial on this park, this $42 parking ticket, which I had to wait two hours until my case was even heard at the courthouse. And... It was an experience. Literally, this man had to be escorted out because he was like he had got a ticket for something like rolling through a stop sign and he was given pretty much a standard like what the hearing officer was giving everyone else. Basically, like you have to pay a fine, but you're not going to have points on your license. This man throws an absolute fit in the courtroom, starts saying that he starts cussing. He starts saying, this is what happens when you hire confidential informants to be magistrate judges. I mean, it was truly something out of a TV show. I was, I was scared. Like they literally had to escort this man out. And then when they came back in, they said that he was like continuing to scream. And, and because of all this, his fine, and he had to go to school. He had to go to like eight hours of school because of all of this craziness he caused. And it was like cited on his record that he was causing, you know, a commotion in court. Anyways, so I had to follow soon after that. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, and all the other parking hearing officers, like they did not know their shit. My parking hearing officer, she knew her shit. She like, I'm sorry, the parking t- the person who gave me my ticket. She gets up there, she argues, and she is like not stepping down on it. Somehow, I just argue my case and I got not guilty, guys. And I was so proud of myself. Honestly, I know I'm a lawyer, like this should not be um, I like should not be so proud about this, but you know, it was like the first time where I really had to truly represent myself and it was just such a win. You guys know my summer like was just not it. And the week that Gertie had his surgery was the same week where I found out I was going to have to go to trial on this parking ticket. And mind you, once you get to this point in the process, you can't just decide, you know what? I'll just pay the $42. Like it's too late at that point. Um, so you kind of have to follow through with it. So it was just good news that I wanted to share with you guys. Again, I was quite proud of myself. I hope any new listeners I haven't scared away yet. I swear this is a pop culture podcast. But, you know, I want you to feel like you know a little something about me uh, when I'm speaking on this mic. Okay, the next thing also kind of relates back to me. And I will try to describe this as succinctly as I can, but it's a little bit of a journey and kind of one of those things that I feel like you have to go down the rabbit hole a little bit yourself to truly grasp this whole thing. So there's this man on TikTok. His name is Michael Thomas White. He goes by MTW and he popped up on my TikTok about a month ago and it was this 
he was answering a question and they asked, do you have any formal media training? And he says, no, but I did watch a lot of One Direction. And I used that sound in one of my TikToks. And I thought this man was like a comedian. I started looking at his page. He has a really high engagement rate, even though he doesn't have, and at the time he really didn't have a ton of followers. I think he had like 7,000. Um, and I was so confused because this man is doing TikTok dances. He's singing. So I, like many other people, I kind of thought this was satire because he's talking about being a pop star. He releases these pop songs that he features in the background of his TikToks and he makes little dances too. But to be completely frank, um, and I, I want to be kind here. He's not the best. He's not the best singer. Okay. Um, He's probably pretty firmly mediocre in his singing, very kind of off tune to the point where you're sort of left thinking, you know, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. And you're kind of like, can't even the tone deaf person find the note every once in a while? And um, he just often doesn't. But his song that's used very often in the back of TikTok, it goes, she's a track star, (laughs) whip smart. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm seeing it kind of purposely bad because that's how it sounds. But that song is pretty catchy. Anyways, I know I'm, I'm taking a while to get to the point here because like I said, there's a lot to unpack. He just kept showing up on my For You page and I was just fascinated. And like I said, I think a lot of other people were too because he talks about how he is not only an aspiring musician and pop star, he's also a model apparently signed with, I believe, Wilhelmina. He's an entrepreneur. He has a watch company. And on top of that, he works for in finance. But in reality, based on this Vice article that I'm about to talk about, it's a company that sells dog leashes on Amazon, which I guess we can call that finance. But all of this sort of adds to the confusion of, is this satire? Is this man really as delusional as he thinks he is? Or is this just the most genius marketing scheme of all time? Because there's something about someone just being delusionally bad but thinking they're good that really sucks a viewer in so I read the vice article and that was the other confusion I was like how does this man have a vice article to give some context I have over 300,000 likes on TikTok I only have around 2,000 followers but again 300,000 likes he only has 280,000 likes I believe and he has not hit 10,000 followers yet so that kind of can show you that like he is not someone you would think would be getting a vice article written about him right but nonetheless he did and there was a whole photo shoot accompanying it It kind of it kind of gave me a little hope I'm not gonna lie because I get obviously very down on my podcast just thinking it doesn't grow fast enough and I think hitting the three year mark really that set in for me like even though I love this and I love talking to you guys I think when you are wanting it to become something it can be a little disheartening so I'm just like, okay, and this man has a Vice article? Like, come again? (laughs) But it says, are the himbos on TikTok actually serious? And I don't know why it says himbos plural, because this article is purely an interview with Michael Thomas White. And it says, Michael Thomas White's musician, model, and entrepreneur, hoping to find fame by posting his heart out by Leah Jospe. And again, he posts a lot. And I think that has part of the reason to do with why he has a fair amount of followers, just because he's very... He posts his heart out. You know, he really does, as they write. <laughs> she says that she found him on TikTok about a year ago with a video that was called A Day in the Life of a Model Actor Living in New York. And it was a short montage of him making 
contact with someone or something that seemed distant, as if beyond the camera, while he went about the most mundane, everyday activities, scrambling eggs and walking down the sidewalk. This guy had the attitude and confidence of a seasoned celeb, yet the video had been up for a week and only had a total of three views, one of which was me. I couldn't tell who he was or what he was doing. I couldn't get enough. And eventually, I wasn't the only one. I think she sums it up really well there because... There's just something about him that does suck you in. And honestly, as much as I can be like, oh, he's not the best singer. He can't really dance that well. The X Factor to me sort of is that ability to suck people in. So in some ways, he he has that. And she says a lot of men on TikTok like him present himself with a mix of earnest self-expression and self-awareness that many people cannot really comprehend. Is he a model, a musician, a delusional himbo, a satirical genius? It's only when you stop trying to figure out if he's serious or not that you start to see the bigger picture. If you truly love and are passionate about expressing yourself artistically, who has the power to tell you if you're doing it right or not? And she even says to him, I couldn't sell when I first found your TikTok if it was a bit or not. And she says, did they start out sincere and then become funny? Has the tone shifted at all? And he says, at first I was trying to be sincere. Now I scrolled back all the way in this man's TikToks when I first found him. And to me, the tone really hasn't shifted much. (laughs) He says he would do guitar covers of songs and then he would start doing the dances. And he says, I got better at those. Um, you know, that's putting it kindly. Again, I cannot dance at all. So he's doing better than I would. I'll give him that. He says, if I feel like at first I knew they were bad, but they were close. And he thinks that's why people are being like, is he serious? Because, you know, I'm not that good at dancing. But I will tell him again, it's more than that. It's it's the it's everything. And he says, I don't know how I've stumbled into the satire category, the POV style. Those were sincere at first, but then I realized I could make them funnier. It comes to just being self-aware. There are people that do those sort of videos where I feel like maybe they're not kidding as much, but maybe they are. You just don't know. So this, to me, was sort of an acknowledgement that he's leaning into it. But again, I was left confused. And again, I did like this part. He says, or he's asked, what would you say to people that are like, you're delusional, you'll never make it big? He says, I can understand where they're coming from. In some ways, I agree. I think if you want to do this, you have to be somewhat delusional. And he says he heard Matthew McConaughey say that. And I think I've said that on here a lot. Like, you just have to have a certain level of delusion to not give up because otherwise it's very disheartening. Like, again, sometimes I have to be like, Bailey, be a little bit more delusional. Come on, girl, you can do it. <laughs> just trick yourself. <laughs> And I mean, honestly, that's kind of what manifesting is too, right? Just sort of tricking yourself into thinking something is possible, even when it really doesn't seem like it is. Um, And he says, I have a long way to go, definitely. And he says, I'm my biggest critic, of course. Again, I'm just so puzzled. And to bring this full circle and why I'm even talking about this, I really buried the lead here. I went on one of his lives and I asked him to come on my podcast because there's only like 25 people in this live, like on TikTok. And he agreed to come on. He followed me. He DM'd me. He's like, I'm so excited for your podcast. And guys, then I got like super cold feet. Truly, I was like, now I'm oxed because I don't want this man to feel like I'm making fun of him. And he sort of did answer the questions in this Vice article but I still feel like I have so much more to ask and I am going to New York this weekend and I'm like, 
do I just try to do the interview with him in person? Like, should I book podcast space and do this interview with him? Like, I'm so torn and I really think I need y'all's feedback and I need you guys to fall down this black hole because again, I feel like now I've just been rambling and I don't know if I made sense at all. And I'm so sorry. Again, if you are new, I really hope you aren't switching off yet. I just had to get this out there because I need people to experience this with me and I need you to let me know if he should come on kind of cute podcast. But he might be like, screw you. You didn't respond fast enough. I'm not coming on anymore. Actually, he might listen to this and be like, screw you. You're kind of a bitch saying my singing is not good. But I have to give one more example before we move off this. There was this one video where he's like allegedly getting voice coach, right? And the voice coach is off camera and it's the TikTok is just filming him and she's complimenting how good his singing is, which is the first part that kind of raises red flags. And then, and then she's asking who he thinks his competition is. And he says, Sean Mendez and Ross Lynch. And you can think what you want about either one of those boys, but they can sing like they can for sure sing. Um, and you know, I do think that men who are cute have it automatically easier, right? Look at the the Niall Horans of the world. You know, if Niall Horan didn't have his little boyish charm, if he could, if he wasn't who he was, if he wasn't in One Direction, would he probably be selling records today? Probably not. And I will say, I think Niall can probably sing better than MTW. I I can confidently say that. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just they have a leg up, but it's like how much of a leg up? Okay, let's move on to someone who's actually already a star. She probably never had to be delusional because she's just that girl. Florence Pugh. And this article is called Florence Pugh is Just Being Honest by Andrea Cutler. So obviously we're starting to get a lot of press about Don't Worry Darling, which is the movie that's directed by Olivia Wilde. It stars Harry Styles and Florence Pugh in the main roles. And obviously, because of that movie, we have the Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles relationship. And there has been a lot of rumblings that Olivia and Florence do not get along. And more so because Florence, this all alleged, this is all just rumors, Florence didn't really love the way things went down on set. Basically, the rumors that Florence felt like Olivia was just giving too much attention to Harry Styles, that she thought it was inappropriate, the relationship they've had. And... I think actually this article sort of sets more of the tone of what actually happened, in my opinion. Again, it's sort of coded in its language, but I think maybe more of what it was was a money dispute. And Florence maybe not feeling fully supported in her role. What I didn't know was that she was originally supposed to play the part that now Olivia plays in the movie. So that's a much smaller supporting role. The name's Bunny. Florence plays the role of Alice, who's married to Jack, which is Harry's role. And she describes Alice as a different beast. But she says, I love playing a distressed woman. And apparently the reason that she got this role and there was sort of this switch up from her playing Bunny is because of when production started due to the pandemic and just a scheduling change. So I'm not sure who was initially supposed to play Alice. But if you'll recall, Shia LaBeouf was supposed to play Jack, which then went to Harry Styles because apparently Olivia has this no assholes on set role, which if that's the case, she probably should have thought twice before hiring Shia in the first place because his reputation definitely precedes him. But whatever, I guess. (laughs) 
So the article writes that when the trailer for this movie was released back in May, the sex scenes were predictably what was seized upon. Now, as someone who's watched the trailer, I understand why they were seized upon because they were focused on on the trailer. Like there was quite a few of them and they are very kind of graphic almost like you can definitely tell that they're a sex scene. But Florence had this to say about it. She says, when it's reduced to your sex scenes or to watch the most famous man in the world go down on someone, it's not why we do it. It's not why I'm in this industry. Obviously, the nature of hiring the most famous pop star in the world, you're going to have conversations like that. That's not what I'm going to be discussing because this movie's bigger and better than that. And the people who made it are bigger and better than that. There is so much to unpack here, and I always want to preface it by saying we don't know the context of this quote, right? She could have been mentioning Harry Styles by name before that, but I do think it's fascinating that instead of referring to him as Harry, you know, the most famous man in the world, or Harry Styles, the most famous pop star, she's sort of just reducing him to these terms and not saying his name at all. And that feels like a very conscious decision to me that maybe there's a little bit of, (laughs) I don't want to say beef, but maybe she's not completely happy with the fact that Harry was the other person in this role because, and maybe this was how she was being asked things, but you don't really hear her talk about him at all throughout this interview other than to say this. And I would say from reading a lot of these sort of articles, it's pretty common for the leading female or male to talk about their co-star, at least in passing and not in this way. But I think the other thing to unpack is that she says the people who made it are bigger and better than that. So that could be taken as sort of a clip at Olivia, like girl do better. But I'm also like, well, maybe this is actually a good statement towards Olivia because she's saying that she thinks Olivia's more than that. And this is a female directed movie, which even though it's getting less rare in today's age, it's still rare for women to be really respected or get any award show talk in a movie they've directed. And there's already talks that this is going to be sort of up for award season. And that quote is followed by her saying that she just really wants to give props to all of the crew and COVID nurses who arrived to help, you know, the production actually finish and how much they respected the process. Now, this is something I had no idea about. It says the low rasp in Pew's voice is the result of a condition called tracheomalacia, which can cause recurrent bronchitis and upper respiratory infections. I always think that women who have an interesting voice are like more likely to be successful actors. And the fact that hers is caused by a condition I just thought was crazy and I had no idea. And I think we've seen from Florence recently that she's kind of getting a little fed up with fame, I would say. Or at least she's always been very direct about how she interprets, how she's spoken about in the media, how she deals with paparazzi. She does not shy away from sort of the negative comments and speaking out against them. So I wonder mentally if it helps her to speak out against them because I'm like, you can tell it it gets to her. And she says, I don't think that people just because they have this job that every aspect of their life be watched and written about. We haven't signed up for a reality TV show. And I think she's especially sensitive to all of this because her and Zach Braff were dating and they ended their relationship earlier this year. And there's always a lot of hullabaloo about their relationship because he's 21 years older than her. And she says, we've been trying to do this separation without the world knowing because it's been a relationship that everybody has an opinion on. We just felt like something like this would really do us the benefit of not having millions of people telling us how happy they are that we're not together. So we've done that. I automatically get a lumpy throat when I talk about it, which is so sad. Like, 
obviously it's still fresh to her and clearly she's still mourning this relationship with him. And another sort of popular theme throughout this article is all the flack she got for wearing a sheer pink dress. I believe it was when she was at Cannes or some film festival. And you could see her nipples through it, whatever. And people are just commenting on her body a lot. And she, she, that was another thing she spoke out about, how she was just sort of disgusted with the backlash she got about it and how concerned people were with her boobs. <laughs> she says, I went to see my gran. And she goes, so what's all this business about your nipples then? And then Florence showed her a few photos. And her grandma gasped and said, and Pew says it was because the dress was so beautiful. And I thought that was very adorable. So sort of going off this, I know you guys are probably so sick of me talking about Harry Styles. I felt like Florence Pugh's article was a good segue into the Rolling Stone article that just came out about Harry. And it's called How Harry Styles Became the World's Most Wanted Man by Britney Spanos. And again, I thought that was crazy how it kind of mirrored the language that Florence said about him being sort of like the world's most famous singer. Like to people who aren't fangirls of Harry, I think it's hard to grasp just how truly famous this man is. The first thing I want to say about this article is that I loved that Britney Spanos wrote it because she's she's young. She's been a fan of One Direction since forever. And when she posted about this article, she included this video from years ago when she was in college and she was watching the Kiss You video for the first time, which was one of One Direction's greatest music videos. So I always kind of do like when they have a fan writing it and not like an old man who doesn't give a shit about Harry Styles. Not to say that there aren't old men who give a shit about Harry Styles, but sometimes the the tone can be a little off, you know, when they're writing it. And obviously, when you have a fan writing it, it's, you know, going to be kind and in a nice light. But I really enjoyed her writing style. I thought she did a great job. She commented on my favorite thing to rant about, about how when, you know, someone has a large, young female fan base, the media refuses to engage with him as much more than a pretty teen idol. And she said, I don't need to lay out decades of music history to show how wrong of a take that is. Y'all know I love getting on my soapbox about that. She shares like some cute anecdotes about him, but honestly, there weren't a ton of quotes from him in this article, which was sort of fascinating because she went to see him in multiple shows. This article was written over a time like most of these like Rolling Stone GQ type articles, they meet up with the star various times. They really get to know them. And I still feel like there's a lot being guarded about Harry and definitely kind of on a tight leash, I would say, from his PR team and trying to keep private and then the kind of the press blitz that's going on with Don't Worry Darling coming out. But there were some like fun little quotes. I mean, he says how he takes a shower after every show. He says, watching it off, you're just a naked person in your most vulnerable human form, just like a naked baby, basically. And I just thought that was kind of cool because you know, obviously you're taking a shower after a show because you're dirty and sweaty and disgusting, but I can see just needing to like get all of that energy off you for a second. Like I think I would have to do the exact same thing. He talks about how he's never publicly been with anyone when it, when people say you've only publicly been with women and you know, this was interesting on a few levels. Obviously people always want to discuss his sexuality. People say he queer baits. He talks about, though, being in The Policeman, which is a movie coming out where he plays a man who's having an affair with another man and has to do it in secret. And he says how he kind of related that in some ways to his own sexuality. So even if Styles is not saying, you know, that he maybe swings both ways or doesn't want to put a label on things, I don't think we can accuse this man of queer baiting because he's pretty open with the fact that, like, 
I mean, personally, if you want to ask me, I think 100% this man has hooked up with men. I was always convinced he hooked up with Nicholas Grimshaw, like, over and over again. They all, like, Nicholas Grimshaw's out now as a gay man, and they spent a lot of time together. And not just saying that if, um, you know, a gay man spends time with someone that they're hooking up, but I just, I just feel like that happened, guys, and I will die on that hill. Um, I would say Olivia actually gave almost as many quotes as he did, which again, it's funny in one breath to say that you never had a public relationship, but then have your girlfriend give quotes for this article that is supposed to be less about your movie coming out and more about your world tour and residencies in multiple cities that are going on, which by the way, he's currently doing a 15 night residency in Madison Square Garden. And I am fully trying to go this weekend when I go. So if you're going, let me know. I'm so excited i also enjoyed this quote when he's talking about how you know he was staying with his friends during quarantine and they would fight over which movies to watch he says there was a couple different tastes in the house so it was between like parasite and coyote ugly and i really think those two movies sum up like my high low desires in life like i can barely pick between those movies i love parasite i love coyote ugly i love a nice film as much as i love trash you know like you could do both And a quote from Olivia that I found interesting was she talks about when he just gets so into the scene and he's in this primal roar and it was way more intense than anything we expected from the scene, she says. She goes on to say the camera operator followed him as he paced around the stage like a kind of wild animal. We were all gobsmacked at the monitor. I think even Harry was surprised by it. And she says those are the best moments for an actor. So I'm excited to see that scene, not gonna lie. And then I was so jealous of this part where Brittany is with him in Germany and he's in this room full of pianos and he sits down at once and she says he plays for a couple of dreamy Beatlesque minutes. Oh, can you imagine just a private one-on-one concert with Harry? I wish I was a journalist just so I could get to do this shit. I wish I had the writing skills. I definitively do not, but wowie zowie. And she says in like a true tourist, he takes pictures of everything because he's really into architecture apparently lately. So whenever he goes and visits a city, he likes to see the architectural sites. So if you're hoping to spot him when he's in your town. Okay, let's get to our cut articles for the day. Okay, our first article is Aubrey O'Day had an amazing response to photoshopping accusations. And this is by Bindu Bensonath. So a little background on Aubrey O'Day, if you're not familiar with her. She came to fame being in the show Making the Band. It was done by P. Diddy. He put together this girl group. And in my mind, Aubrey O'Day was kind of always like the lead girl of the group. I so wanted to be her. I thought she was so pretty, so cool. The girl group that they formed was called Danity Kane. Danny Dandy Kane has some bangers if you've never heard them before. And sadly, in recent years, I feel like Aubrey's kind of been struggling a little bit. She also wrote a truly unhinged but also somewhat hilarious song about Donald Trump Jr., uh, which is definitely worth a listen, if not just a read of the lyrics, because they allegedly dated for a while. I don't think he's ever publicly admitted it, but she very clearly does in this song. 
But okay, let's get into what this article is actually about. So ever since the former Danny Kane singer announced last summer that she'd left the country and boarded a flight to a new life, her feed has been full of bizarre vacation posts, which appear obviously photoshopped, but also geotagged. There's O'Day in an evening dress, plastered over Santorini backdrop, O'Day overlooking an Indonesian archipelago, O'Day sitting on the famed Bali swing, her red dress billowing unnaturally behind her. And really, this all came to a head because earlier this month, a TikToker named Sophie made a video that questioned these vacay shots. And I actually saw this TikTok. Apparently, now it's been taken down. But she said, I'll truly never get over people photoshopping themselves into random vacation photo. And it juxtaposes Audrey's post with the actual images that she took them from. And looking at it, I'm pretty sure this girl got the right images because they're like spot on. And they just look very photoshopped and fake and she says i don't even know if she went to indonesia she either just steals content from other content creators or photoshops herself into random promotional images with these very inspirational instagram captions now what i'm getting at here and what i want to talk about is aubrey's response again this is something you guys really have to go see to believe she photoshopped a picture of her at the gates of what appears to be heaven which is confirmed because when you scroll over, oh, it's also confirmed by her geotag of heaven. And then you scroll to the next picture and it's her and she's wearing a thong bikini. Her hair is like striped and she's hugging Jesus. (laughs) Oh my God, it's just too much. And the caption says, took the PJ to heaven in the last 24 as in the private jet. Wanted to share with y'all how beautiful it was. Also ran into Jesus and we hugged it out. He told me to let the child on TikTok with so much to say about my life that you don't need to concentrate on others to be your own version of special and necessary in this world. You can make positive changes just by using your own gifts. Stop looking left and right if you want to move forward. Heart prayer hands. And not that I need to explain myself, but I've been in this industry for over 20 years and I've been traveling the world since I was seven. If I want my Instagram to be curated like a museum of art, then that's what the fuck is going to happen. I'm an artist, a real creator. I do all of my creative from my music to my flicks, everything from my hair, glam, nails, styling, backdrops, editing, shooting, and the weather isn't always perfect when I shoot and I vacation alone. I don't need to be flown places let alone the fact that a lot of the shots I give y'all are in places you have to spend hours scaling mountains to get to. Respect respect my aesthetic. I work hard to give y'all beautiful content that feels the way the places I travel vibrate, and I get nothing from sharing the beauty other than the joy of wanting y'all to vibrate high with me. (sighs) Sorry, I'm out of breath. I asked an older man who was dying of cancer that I spent a month of my journey traveling around Bali with what, what it is that he lives for. A question I asked everyone along the way. He said, Aubrey, what makes life worth it is for me to wake up every day and find something beautiful to look at. So that is the thought behind my page. I'm a creative director. I like to create an essence of what beauty is to me, a vibe, a feeling, a pick of me drenched with pit stains after hiking for two hours to a location just doesn't excite me visually. It saddens me that so many people need the picture to look the way that in order to feel like my travels were real or that my experience and growth are authentic. Now, The author of this says she's not sure if she's admitting to photoshopping, which she clearly, clearly is, because obviously she photoshopped the picture with her and Jesus. She's saying, yeah, sometimes when I get to the place where I'm taking a 
picture, I'm a sweaty ass mess and that's not going to be cute and that's not going to be <laughs> aesthetic. So I'm going to Photoshop the picture and that's what I'm going to put on my Instagram. And then she also says, though, which kind of makes it unclear if she's actually been to the exact spots that she's you know, posting these photographs. She says, you have to spend hours scaling mountains to get to. But again, I wasn't sure if that was just because she was sweaty and didn't want to post it or literally she hasn't been to these places. But I'm sorry, guys, I had to read that whole thing because it is just, it is just too good. Like it really had me cracking up. The author says, I, for one, am going to keep admiring O'Day's aspirational art. Let this woman Photoshop herself into Bali and keep taking PJ trips to heaven. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. On to our next article. This one is completely in the other direction, but it's called How Seven People Chose Their Ironic Boat and Toad Inscriptions by Olivia Lupino. Now, if you've never seen an L.O. Bean boat and toad, let me tell you, you definitely have. They're like those canvas bags that are cream colored and then they have the contrast like handles and you know, inseams on them. And usually they are monogrammed with like people's initials. Very preppy, waspy, but functional. And it says that now they've been taken up by people embroidering them with trendy phrases like flop era, fuck Greg Abbott. And, you know, it's it's very cute. Some people aren't into it. One TikTok user expressed concern that the trend was ruining the sustainable preppy style and urged people who purchased one to learn how to use a seam ripper so as not to brand a timeless bag with a short-lived slogan. It poses the question, would you want to be carrying a bag that says Lexapro on it in five years? And I can honestly say yes, uh, because I love my Lexapro and I'm sure I will still be on it five years from now. Also, I feel like this is kind of stupid because just because you have a stupid word on a bag doesn't mean you're going to get rid of it. I mean, it's kind of like a tattoo. Like some of my tattoos are kind of stupid. I'm not trying to get rid of them in five years. So I don't think it's really like going to ruin sustainability if people are putting stupid stuff on their bags. That's my opinion, though. The reason I want to talk about it is because of the person who started this social media account at Ironic Boat and Tote and really popularized this trend. Her name's Gracie Wiener, and she's used boat and totes her whole life. And she says, I got my first one that said psycho last July. I saw someone post a photo of a stranger on Instagram carrying one. I had to get one for myself. So a lot of people have hopped on this trend and an L.L. Bean spokesperson told Vogue that the company's having its highest summer sales in almost a decade. And Gracie now has been like in New York Times, obviously in the cut. She's been interviewed so often, gone viral on TikTok. And she says, I know people who didn't feel like they'd be able to carry a boat in tote. The trend is something that turns the bags on their head and is poking fun at itself. So now more people feel like they can buy one. I also feel like this is just really indicative of our time right now, because I think if you look at current fashion trends, A lot of it's actually very preppy classic styles with a little bit of a twist and kind of turning them on their head and making them a little bit more whimsical and fun. I mean, loafers are having such a moment right now. Little socks, little, you know, like a crew neck with a little peak of shirt underneath a tennis skirt. Like that's very in right now. And and classic at the same time like those styles are always going to be classic that you know people are like oh my gosh ballet flats are back in no ballet flats were always a thing ballet flats have been around forever it's just a matter of when they kind of come back into the trend cycle of something that is becoming really popularized so i don't think that these trends are just gonna like they're not these micro trends that are gonna be over within a second you know so if you want to buy one of these i say go for it and gracie says 
especially with what we've gone through with COVID, there's no time to be boring. So she's talking about how these ones are so much more fun. They just show more personality than just having your name on a bag. She keeps a list on her phone of phrases that describe her and could work for future bags. And she talks about how they really last forever. And she even says that you can rip out the stitches and redo it. So, you know, there's always a way to give it a new life if you get tired of it. But she says, I'm not going to get tired of a $30 tote bag that says Prada. Exactly what I was saying earlier. Like, it's not that serious. But the reason I really wanted to talk about this is because Gracie was one of the first ever people to leave a review for my podcast, I think she was the first ever stranger who left a review on my podcast. She reached out to me on DM, gave me a nice message about my podcast. And again, when you, when you're feeling very down, like, and not sure if it's the good path to stay on, those messages really mean the world. And there's so much hate on the internet that that kindness really meant so much to me. And the only reason I connected that this was her is because when she messaged me on Instagram, I had looked at her profile and I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. She's like such a New York girl. And she worked for this sweater company that I won't say the name of because when she's talked about on her TikTok, she doesn't use the name of it. But it is a very like, a rich cool sweater company that embroiders phrases so it's kind of funny that she worked for that company where they were kind of known for embroidering sweaters and now has become like the face of embroidered bow and totes it feels very full circle and feels full circle for me that she's in the cut when she reached out to me anyways I because she worked for that sweater company it stuck out to me so when I saw her talking about working for that sweater company on her tiktok I looked back and realized it was the same name. And I was like, oh my God, this is the same girl. So I just love that so much. And I think it's so cool. And now we follow each other on TikTok. And I don't know, it's just like, the internet's a crazy place, man. Between her and Michael Thomas Thomas White, like, I just can't get enough. (laughs) Okay, for our blind item today, we have to obviously talk about Aubrey O'Day. And I have to start by saying that, as usual, NT's reporting on Aubrey is, you know, pretty sexist. A lot of it's about her posing for Playboy, how she should just become a porn star and like give up on her music career. But this one I thought was pretty harmless. And it says this again, get ready for this description, guys. This former reality star turned reality star turned former singing group member turned celebrity turned reality star (laughs) split with a guy because no further reality show was coming. Apparently, though, there is now one coming. So they suddenly got back together and are declaring undying love, even though her celebrity slash reality star boyfriend is sleeping with someone new every day. So basically, it's saying that Aubrey O'Day and the boy in question is Polly D from Jersey Shore, that they had split because they were staying together because they thought they had a reality show coming, but they split, heard that there was a possibility of another one. So they got back together but apparently Polly was cheating on Aubrey all the time. And this just reminded me of this couple. And I love these two together. I kind of wish, I don't know if Polly is with anyone right now or even Aubrey, but I would kind of love to see them reunite. Like in my mind, there is no per- other perfect pairing of like this time of reality TV than this one. Like it just makes so much sense to me and I love it so much. And I just want the best for Aubrey. I like want the best for all the Danny Kane girls. I feel like I need to go follow them all on Instagram right now and see what they're up to. Cause I just, they were so cute. They were so talented too. Like damn, they don't get enough credit. Okay. We've made it to our legit shit of the day, guys. This is a hair item. It is the way treatment mask for fine and medium hair. I have to say I tried one 
way hair oil and it like put me off all of their products because I hated that hair oil so much. And that's honestly a testament, guys, that I try a lot of products that I don't talk about on here. So I can tell you if I am talking about it on here, it is something I genuinely like. And I've used this about three times already and it just feels so nice and soft in your hair. You only have to use a little bit of it like and it goes a long way and it just feels so moisturizing and nice. And they also have one for more coarse, thick hair. My hair strands themselves are very fine, even though I have a lot of it. So I feel like this has worked really well. And even though it's marketed for fine hair, the mask itself is so thick and luxurious. And like I said, you just need like a little dip of it. I think it'll last me a fair amount of time. It is in one of those mask tubs and I don't love those because you have to like scoop it out with your hand, but it allows you to get every little last bit of it, which I do appreciate. It's actually in a tub similar to like what the bum bum cream comes in. kind of reminds me of that, but please try this and let me know if you love it. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.